0: welcome to the limited slip podcast in-depth discussion a weekly hour-long podcast where we go deep down into automotive news and car culture topics your hosts are dave an attorney and car importer and borja who owns an auto repair shop buckle up we've got a lot to cover here's dave and borja on this week's limited slip podcast This week's Limited Slip Podcast is brought to you by Retro Mobile Designs. If you are looking for auto and racing-themed t-shirts that look cool to the average Joe, but get an approving nod from other petrol heads, check them out at RetroMobileDesigns.com.
1: So to celebrate the end of this fabulous year 2020, it's just been wonderful for everybody. We're going to talk about the 10 cars that we are most excited about for 2021 because let's be honest, despite my sarcasm, 2020 has been, um, it's not been the best year. So we are definitely looking forward to whatever comes next. (laughs) So we haven't rehearsed this at all. We haven't discussed it. We, uh, we, we basically said, Hey, you make a list of the 10 cars that you're excited about that are coming out in 2021. I'm going to make a list of the 10 cars I'm excited about for 2021. And then let's talk about them. So we don't really have any structure. We're just going to go for it. And um, do you want to go first or do you want me to go first? Um, You go first. Let's go ahead and uh, actually, do you
2: want to do one each or do you want to do the whole list yourself and then do my whole list?
1: Mm, I think, well, I think we should do the the whole list for one person because I'm, I'm inclined to think that we're going to have a couple overlap overlapping yeah yeah all right I'll, I'll go first do you want me to go like do you want me just to list off my 10 or do you want me to like say the one and then we'll talk about it
2: uh let's uh list the 10 and then we'll go one by one that way we can get some of the
1: suspense out of the way all right all right i'll list my 10 and then you list your 10 and then we'll talk about them how about that okay.
2: all
1: right so number one on my list you May or may not be surprised that this is my number one. The Ford Bronco.
2: Yep. It's in my list too.
1: Um, Okay. Number two on my list, the Gordon Murray Automotive T50. Yep. Is that on your list too?
2: It actually, it is. And I'm pretty excited about that car, but it's not on my list. And it's not because I don't think it's exciting enough. Um,
1: It's just not accessible.
2: Yeah, exactly. Um, I'm going more for cars that are going to be accessible for the vast majority of people. Yeah, um, but I mean, we're both very excited about the T50, and if you aren't, there's something seriously wrong with you.
1: Yeah, yeah. All right, the next one on my list, you might be surprised by this one that it's on my list. Not not that I like it, but that it's on my list. The 2021 Porsche 911 GT3 manual. I don't care about the PDK version. It's you know, it's the same, it's the same as the old one. I'm just really happy that they're making another one with the manual. So that's, that's significant enough for it to make it on my list. Yeah.
2: Um,
1: The next, the next one is the F-150 hybrid.
2: I thought about the F-150. It didn't make it on my list, but I think, all F-150s for 2021 with the new revamp. I've already seen some reviews online and it's looking very, very good. Yeah. Um, so yeah, definitely a car to keep an eye on or a truck to keep an eye on for 2021.
1: Uh, next one I have is the GR Yaris, even though we're not getting it in the United States. Mm-hmm. Um, and then after that, I have the Volkswagen four. Ooh, I think that's a very, very significant vehicle.
2: Um, I actually have the idea what I did, and I might be cheating on this one, is I actually did the whole ID family of Volkswagen. So the three, mm-hmm. the four, and the
1: six. Um, that, that's a good idea. That, that's a little bit, that's a little bit cheating, but that's, pretty, yeah. that's a good idea. I mean, you, you could have, you. I thought about, do I put the Mercedes EQ because... I mean that's going to be significant too but anyways i didn't i put the id4 and then the the next one i have is the subaru brz Mm-hmm. i have that one yep okay and the nissan z i have that one too and then the lucid air
2: I don't have that one
1: and the last one that i have is i'm going to cheat on this one the alfa romeo gtv or the the Alfa Romeo, Giulia, Quadrifoglio, GTA? So
2: just so that our listeners know, we did not rehearse this beforehand, but we did say something to each other before we started the podcast is, I have my list. There's one that we're particularly excited about. He said that I'm particularly excited about. I said, there's one that I'm particularly excited about that I'm not sure if it's actually going to come in fruition. And he said, yeah, it's the same thing for me. And it is the Alfa Romeo GTV. Program.
1: No way. <laughs> yes, <it is.
2: laughs> you <Because> be <laughs> if you haven't seen renderings of the GTV, you should. And as soon as you see it, if you don't crave that thing for the rest of your life, it's like the T50. There's something seriously wrong with you. And it's oh, just I one guess. of those cars that we just don't know if it's going to happen. And we're so desperately wanting that it does happen. Because it just looks fantastic. Yeah. And it's an Alfa Romeo.
1: Well, it's going to be a wonderful car. And, and not just is it going to be a wonderful car, but also what else could you get? I mean, I wouldn't let myself be seen in the new BMW M4.
2: You know, no. I don't want to. I
1: don't want to break in any years.
2: Or any BMW. No.
1: <laughs> and, uh, yep. And the uh, the Mercedes, uh, you know, the C class, it, it's okay. I don't mind that, but you know, they're going going all hybrid and is it that you know V six hybrid? I don't know. It just doesn't fit. Doesn't fit with the whole Mercedes Benz thing. That, you know that well for me. The styling's good though, but it's not. It's not a peer to the Alfa Romeo GTV. So.
2: Right. Yeah. Yeah, and I fully agree. I don't think you can get a car with as much passion in the design that you can get with a GTV. And even if it see the thing is, even if it doesn't run, which it's found at some point to break down, <laughs> uh, even if it doesn't run, it's still just a gorgeous thing to look at. And you wouldn't be disappointed to have it in your driveway or your garage because like, yeah, well, it broke down, but it's still a piece of art. I'm enjoying it either way.
1: Well, that's the difference between an Alfa Romeo and a Land Rover, right? A Land Rover will break down and when it breaks down, you won't be able to to afford to fix it. So it just sits in your driveway and the only thing that you get for it is an oil stain. Whereas when your Alfa Romeo breaks down, at least you can use it as a piece of sculpture. So Right.
2: Yeah. Um, yeah. We're, well, we, we uh, both agree on that one. That was our kind of our unicorn from the list. Um, you want me to say some of the ones that I had also uh, written down?
1: Yeah, yeah, g- g- yeah. Give me your, give me your mm-hmm. list.
2: So, common cars that we had were the Alfa Romeo GTV, the Super BRZ, the Nissan, Nith- the Z, Nith- and uh, the Ford Bronco, as well as you said the VW um, ID3. But I just added the whole ID family because I think this is going to be monumental for Volkswagen. The whole right. ID family. Okay. Uh, Other cars that I added, um, which you may be surprised by this first one, uh, actually these first couple 2 I'm actually very excited to see in person the the new Toyota Sienna and hopefully get to drive it because I think it's a pretty important vehicle for Toyota being now full hybrid. And I'm really looking forward in the minivan segment to seeing the new Chrysler Pacifica because finally it's coming out with the all-wheel drive and the bigger screen and the updated infotainment which I think it's a huge step uh, for Chrysler. And I think it solidifies them a little bit more as being up there with the pop competition with Toyota and Honda to be really a car that you may have not considered in the past to be, well, this one now offers an all-wheel drive and it's just full of tech and it looks great. So that's why I added those two. Hmm. Um, Other ones that I added, uh, it's a refresh the Tahoe slash Suburban, and the reason that I added them is because they're going to be offered with the three liter inline six diesel, mm. yeah, uh, which I think is going to be a very appealing engine for a lot of people, especially for the cost that it's going to be to upgrade to the diesel, which is going to be under a grand, if you wanted to get the diesel option, which I think it's a fantastic price.
1: Yeah, that's a really good choice. I didn't think I didn't even think about that one. That's a good choice.
2: And let's see, um, I also have the Jeep Grand Wagoneer. Um, we have talked about this car previously in the podcast. We have mixed feelings about it. But, you know, it's happened to me before. I don't know it's happened to you before that you see cars in renderings or images and you have an idea, but then when you actually see it in person, it's a different story. So Mm -hmm. I'm really looking forward to seeing what Jeep can do with this Grand Wagoneer and if it's going to live up to the hype. Um, And then uh, last but not least, I cheated on this one a little bit too, which is going to be the uh, Mark 8 GTI slash uh, R, pretty important vehicles for Volkswagen. For I wanted to add the ID family and the Mark 8 uh, GTIs because I think that it's, it really does define what the brand is all about. I mean, VW has always been about uh, great, cheaper, affordable cars. We saw that with the Beetle then the successor of the Beetle was the Golf. And now we're getting into the ID family, which they're hoping that it'll be the successor to the Golf. Uh, and uh, if things pan out the way that VW wants them to pan out with the ID family, we could be looking at the last gen of the Golf. Um, hopefully not, but it could be a possibility. And, and so I'm very excited to see, to have seen the renderings for those and see the, the, the actual fit images of those cars which will be coming out uh, next year
1: that's my list i i would be let's just let's since that was the last one let's let's jump on that i would be really interested to see an apples the apples comparison between the the electric golf and Mm -hmm. the id3 now we're not getting the id3 right i mean we only have the id4 but I think that would be really good if they were to upgrade the, the electric golf, give it some more range, make it something that was that's a little bit more usable as an electric, as your only car and then put it on sale and see what, you know, what do people think about it? Yeah. Um, it, you know, would they do that? No, I, I don't think there's a financial case to do that, but it would be interesting to me. And the other thing that's just really surprising to me, I've been on this for years is why the heck does Volkswagen not bring the GTE to the States? It makes no sense. We would buy that thing up all over the place. So,
2: you know. I think it it comes down to the same reason that the other German companies are certain vehicles that we don't get and it's pricing. I mean, we talked about this. Uh, It wasn't a podcast, just in a conversation that Dave and I were having. But if you wanted to get a base model GTI, I looked it up in, in Spain. Uh, after taxes and everything, you're looking and with the exchange rate, you exchange the euros over to U.S. dollars on GTI. After taxes and everything, you're looking at close to fifty thousand dollars, and nobody would pay fifty grand over here or close to fifty grand over here in the states for a base model GTI. So I think that it's the same story with the GTE. Um, I just don't think that financially it makes sense for Volkswagen because people are just not willing to spend that kind of money on a hatch.
1: Um, yeah. I mean, I think, I, th- I think that's a misunderstanding of the market. I think that people are willing to spend the money on, on a hatchback. I, I think that the same thing with, the, with the Audi S3, for example, the, the Audi S3 and the RS3, you should have those available as a hatchback. And, and yeah, mm-hmm. the take rate won't be super high, but you know, one, the people who want them really want them, and I'm looking right. in the mirror when I say that. And, yep. um, you know, I, I think that that you build brand loyalty that way, and I think that's a good business model. And and two, I think that there would be enough sales, but you know, they're the ones doing the math. But anyways, yeah. So yeah. I, so I think I think that's an interesting the market at GTI I think will be really interesting uh, car. It's. It it really is that comparison though with the ID families to see which one is more significant. I know I know in in England, for example, the ID three sales are really strong. So
2: across Europe, I've read uh, multiple articles that it's happening just across uh, pretty much all Western Europe. Uh, the ID three is selling really really good, and I'm not sure if you had the chance to see um harry's review on it he had one alone for about a week or so i haven't seen it no um and it was a very actually very interesting review because um he was kind of criticizing and he's not criticizing volkswagen he's criticizing which i forgot the name of this institution over i don't know if it's in the uk or if it's a european institution that they basically rate the 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 amount of miles that you can go in a charge you know, oh. the range that you have in charge. Um, kind of like what we have here for, you know, the, um, the EPA. Yeah. Yeah. And so they, they were claiming that it was going to do around 260 miles per full charge. But then when he fully charged the, the vehicle at his house, he was nowhere near that. He was around the 200 mark. But something that's interesting, he decided to take the, a trip to London and back in the ID3. And see if the car would actually make it without having to recharge. And something that he discovered is that it's really the first car, electric car, that he has found that the range that the car tells you it has, it pretty much stays the same. Uh, Especially, we've seen this issue with colder weather that the range drastically decreases the colder it gets. It was a chilly morning in the UK, it was raining. And he wanted to see if um, in that trip over to London and back, which was 160, 170 miles round trip coming around there, if the car could make it A and B, how would the weather actually affect the range? And it was surprisingly well engineered. We have no idea how VW was able to make it work, but the the car say, hey, you have about 190 or 200 miles range by the time he did the trip back to, uh, to London and back, he had only lost maybe five or three miles of range compared to what it originally told him before he even set off, which is pretty good. Yeah. Because we have seen even those issues with Tesla. Uh, so great review. If you haven't seen it, highly recommend that you go over to his YouTube channel and take a look at it because it's, it's, it's really worth the watch. Well, actually any video that Harry puts out nowadays is really worth watching.
1: Yeah. Well, and I think that we're both together when we say the real question, the real reason that the ID family or the ID four in particular is is interesting is will people buy it? Right. And you know, and it looks like people are buying it in Europe already where where it's available. Will people buy it in the States? You know, I don't know, we'll see. But Volkswagen is openly touting this thing as their future, as as the mm-hmm. new beetle, the thing that is gonna carry them into the future and and that's a big bet. Especially yep. when you already got the Golf sitting there, which is a pretty darn good car. It but, is. You know, I, mean, I, I do gotta say that if I was in South America, I would love to have an ID4. And that might sound weird to some people, but, um, you know, the roads aren't always great. So it is nice to have a crossover where you have a, a, that extra bit of ground clearance can help. Okay. And the other thing is, a lot of the cities have rules where, not a lot, but several of the really big cities in South America have, have rules where they, they have based on your license plate, certain cars can drive on certain days. Mm -hmm. So so you only have access to your car, you know, uh, on Monday, Wednesday, and Friday, one week, and then Tuesday and Thursday, the next week. Uh, and and, you know, alternating based on whether your license plate ends in a odd number or an even number. That's pretty common. It happens frequently in the big cities, but if you have an electric car, almost all of them let you drive every day right and and the distances aren't very big if you're an american no. the distances are not very big you the average speed is not very high and you know you got good weather you're not using the heating and air conditioning all that much like i think you can have good range i think an id4 would be really great in south america and and i'm interested to see if it's a global success
2: so, yeah i think that the id is going to be a global success especially uh, if we're talking here in the about the us I think that either all the way in the West Coast, big cities like San Francisco, LA, or anywhere really in the East Coast, is really once you get into the Midwest, that distances are a lot greater. And that's when electric vehicles at times doesn't make a whole lot of sense. But if there's one thing that we know for sure, because VW has proved this, and we can say time and time again, the original Beetle was a success, huge success. Yep. The Gulf has been and still is a huge success. So they really know how to build a simple, great little car that will appeal to the masses. And they've done this twice, very successfully, and they're hoping to do this again. And from what I've seen so far, they are on track of accomplishing that goal because what they put out is actually quite good.
1: Yeah. Let's let's talk about, I think the only other electric one on our list was the Lucid Air. So, now that's that's from my list. I think the Lucid Air is. I mean, what is there to say about it? I mean, it's the, it's it's the first true Tesla competitor, and that's why Thanks. I think that it's. Um, that's why it's on my list because Tesla's really had this game to themselves, and no one else has been able to pull off the whole electric car thing in the way that they have, and um, Lucid has the engineering they have the idea they have better styling and better materials and we'll we'll see about the build quality but i think that it's a truly direct competitor and i don't know i don't know what Tesla's going to do about that um but i have an inclination that we're going to find out this year so well
2: actually uh, i think that we to answer that question what is tesla going to do about it uh, I think they already responded because if you remember once Lucid came out with the air and they released uh, the the numbers, uh, I don't know if it was within a couple of days or a week at most, Tesla came out saying, oh, well, but hold on a minute. Uh, we're actually going to come out with a new Model S, the Plaid or, Plaid or yeah, whatever they call yeah. it. The 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 tri-motor all-wheel drive, which is when it comes to performance, it actually comes fairly close to the Lucid vehicle. And they announced it just after Lucid came out there. So that's, that's Tesla's answer right there.
1: Yeah. I just don't think that's, I don't think that's the full answer. I mean, I think that that's a good marketing ploy and they've kind of been talking about the plaid for a couple of years anyways, mm-hmm. but, but really the Lucid, I just think is next level design and quality more, much more in line what you expect for the price point of a Model S and look, not very many people are buying the Model S. No. You know, Tesla, Tesla did the, you know, we, we always make fun of Porsche and Audi and Volkswagen, you know, Volkswagen group when they say, okay, we're, you know, here's our niche and, you know, Audi, you know, is not going to intrude on the niche of Lamborghini and Volkswagen's not going to intrude on the niche of, you know, we don't want people cross shopping a Volkswagen and an Audi you know, and they go through great lengths to do that. I'm usually pretty critical of them, critical of them when they do that. I'm, I'm just like, you know, just make a good car. That's what Tesla did and, and they ate their own lunch. They really did because people were buying lots of Model S's and then the Model 3 came out and they're like, Hey, I don't need a Model S. These are, right. these are close enough. Yep. And
2: and now with the Model Y, uh, yeah. it's the same story because I've actually driven the Model Y and if you ask me, would you take a Model 3 or would you take a Model Y? I would take the Model Y. Yeah. Uh, over the 3.
1: And, and I think the lucid air is really going to reoccupy that space of the model S in in a premium field. And, you know, I think that if you have, if you have a model three and you're a rich person, right? You, you, you could have bought a much more expensive car, but you bought a model three cause that was the one that you wanted and you see the lucid air, you were going to be tempted to switch over to it. I, I think because it's going to look a lot better. It's going to, it's a little bit more spacious. The interior is just a lot nicer. And yeah. anyways, so I, I, I don't know if, I think Tesla is probably going to have to r- uh, make a new Model S, I think.
2: They do. So if you look at the Model S, it pretty much looks the same way from the outside and mostly from the inside too, with the exception of a couple of changes in wheels and things like that. Mm. But it looks pretty much the same as when it first came out years ago. Yeah. So the biggest problem that the Model S has right now, it's actually the Model S Mm
0: -hmm. that it
2: hasn't really been updated. Uh, And what I mean, updated, we're not talking about the tech or now with the new powerful option that's coming out it's with the looks and yeah, it's, it's, it's lost some of the specialness that it had when it first came out.
1: Yeah. And I think that in Europe and in China also, they're going to be, they're going to really want this thing and, you know, I mean, the, the Mercedes EQS is going to take up some of those sales also, I think, when it, when it comes out. But I think the Lucid Air is going to hit market first. And, and also, you know, Mercedes is Mercedes and there's benefits to that. But Lucid really does, I think, have the same appeal technically and, you know, to the, to the, peop- to the tech crowd as Tesla does. And so I think, I think that it's going to be a big hit, to be honest. I'm just really excited to see where that goes and how that changes the automotive landscape. So, yeah. All right, which one do you want to talk about next? Um, let's
2: uh, let's talk about. I'll pick one of mine. Let's let's do uh, GM's Tahoe Suburban um, diesel option.
1: Right. Well, I think that's the engine it kind of should have always had. I you know the combination of small blocks and inline six diesels you know, very durable, tough, but still powerful and efficient, easy to work on engines, Mm -hmm. man, that's good. And one of the things, people, people underappreciate GM, GM's engineering, especially with the small blocks because they say, Oh, it's, you know, especially European right there. Oh, it's unsophisticated. It's this and that. Right. And that's just, it's just not true. It's just not sophisticated in the way that they understand sophistication. Um, if you ever have to work on a truck or or an SUV with a small block V8, you will appreciate the how much thought and engineering goes into making every part of that vehicle serviceable easily. I mean, they're so easy to work on and 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 inexpensive and they really are durable these things see really heavy use. And I have every expectation that the new inline 6 diesel is also those things. So
2: Yeah and I fully agree with you. I mean I've always been a fan of the Tahoe Suburbans. I've always liked them a lot more than the Expeditions and having now the option of a diesel is really the way to go. Um, We at our shop, we do see a lot of diesel trucks come into the shop and surprisingly the ones that we see the left of are the Dodges and I'm not saying that because of this Dodge is going to be the one that's the most reliable with their inline six. But I will tell you this by far, they are the easiest to work on compared to either uh, GM's diesel or Ford's diesel. Yep. Um, and if you think about that, one of the things that we tell our customers at our shop all the time, they're coming to us and say, I'm thinking about buying a truck and I really want diesel. And uh, my first question to them is, do you really need a diesel? Because if you don't, I suggest not getting one, because especially from either Ford or GM, because the repairs are gonna be expensive. Everything diesel related is expensive. The labor is expensive and it's not only expensive because you need far more specialized tools, which means the labor rate goes up, but also to do just normal things, it takes a lot more time to do than just a regular gas engine. So just the fact that the labor rate is more expensive and it takes more hours, any job is gonna be expensive parts are expensive. So if you don't need one, we always tell our customers, don't get one, unless you're fine with spending decent amount of chunk of change on maintenance and repairs. In that case, by all means, go get one. But having the simplicity of the inline six, it opens a whole new conversation of why you should seriously consider getting this engine in the truck. And then to add on top of that, the fact that it's less than a grand to upgrade from the 53 V8 to the 3 liter straight six it makes it even more appealing to upgrade to this engine
1: well and i think it's just in time also because i i believe that fuel prices will go up in 2021 and i think even more so in 2022 i think that having those extra mpgs is going to be is going to be nice it's going to be yeah. nice and on top of that why, would you get, why do you get an, an SUV instead of a, a, a minivan? One of the reasons is because you intend to tow. You, you, know, you want the added utility. And hey, if you're going to tow, get the diesel.
2: Get the diesel, yep. So, all
1: yeah. right, your turn. Well, let's go with the GR Yaris.
2: Oh, yes, yes. Probably the best hot hatch coming out in 2021.
1: I I'm really excited about the GRERS. I am excited enough that I called Toyota and I complained to them that I can't buy one. So, you know, it is what it is. I, I think that it's, it's it's really rare, especially in this day and age, to have a a true homologation special. That's exactly what we have with the GRERS. It is it is just lively full of character fun you can drive it hard on public roads and still have fun but yet it's really capable it's it's good in all weather it's it's just it's just perfect it's exactly what i want but it's not what i can get
2: no it's just one of those things that we've had this conversation before too that uh uh Toyota has really, really shown us what they are capable of doing, where they get the best people that they have in the company and put them together and says, just do something. They, they, they leave the accountants out of the room and they just get the engineers and said, go have at it. And, and, and not only go have at it, but make sure that you only use Toyota things. Don't be, don't buy things from other companies. We're all doing it internal. It's all Toyota 100%. And they have shown us what they can do and, it's sad that they're not offering to the rest of the world. Uh, that it's only going to be for select markets. We're not getting it, unfortunately. But we did get the Supra, which nobody wants.
1: <laughs> Supra, I think Supra is pretty popular. But but yeah, this it's not the same. And and they're going to give us this. Supposedly they're going to give us a GR Corolla. I don't want that. I'm not going to buy it. I, I well, I guess I shouldn't say that. We haven't seen it yet, so I guess I can, uh, I can wait and give my opinion on it later i'm i'm not inclined to think that it's going to be as special as the G R S. yeah if it is i'll consider it but for now i i feel just kind of upset that that we're not getting it so
2: yeah
0: before we get to the rest of the show, take a moment to subscribe. If you enjoy our insights and want to help keep our lights on, you can visit our businesses. Borja runs a full-service repair shop in Orem, Utah. You can find him on Facebook at Auto Pros Utah, And trust me, he really can fix anything. Dave imports cars from South America and Europe primarily classic trucks like FJ40s and Land Rovers, but he can help you source any classic car in any condition that you want, from cars that were never sold in the U.S. to trucks that are just cheaper with less rust overseas. Visit Dave at DaveTheCarImporter.com. There's no reason for you not to have the car of your dreams, even if it's forbidden fruit.
2: Let's see. Let's uh, let's actually talk about uh, the Pacifica o Drive. You have a Pacifica. We've talked about this before. You have one. You love it. I do. And uh, here in Utah, where I live, we actually just had some uh, snow over the last couple of days. Roads are pretty slushy right now. So o Drive does come as a very nice feature to have this time of year.
1: Yeah. Well, I said just a second ago, why would you buy a, an SUV instead of a minivan? And Actually, one of the main reasons is people feel that you're going to get a better performance in all you know all weather conditions, specifically snow, if you have an SUV. And I think that I think there's a, a lot of families who are buying Suburbans instead of minivans for that reason. Yeah. You know, this is this is one less reason for wrong. to wrong my Pacifica.
2: <laughs> yeah, I mean, uh, something that we want to make sure that our listeners understand from our point of view, and hopefully they share this point of view with us, is by far the most important thing that you can do to your car when it comes to winter driving is getting a winter set, tire, a set of uh, winter tires. Yep. That will help more than four by four, low range, all-wheel drive, ground clearance, you name it. All the other additions are great to have, but it will not... M- Make a big impact or effect as getting a good set of winter tires.
1: Yeah. So if you unquestionably, yeah, unquestionably.
2: unquestionably. And I have had the because I live in Utah and we do get a big, uh, decent amount of snow on pretty much every every uh, winter, almost every winter. For the past five, six, seven years, I've always had a either four by four all wheel drive car at home. It's always been one of the cars, and I'm pretty adamant that I do want to have all wheel drive, but. I don't just stop there. That all-wheel drive always also gets a center a, a, a set of winter tires put every winter. And having all wheel drive plus a winter set of tires makes a world of difference. And it just gives me the confidence and my wife and our new baby that I can go anywhere I need to during the winter and I'm fine with it. Yeah. And so for me. Um, you know, in a couple of years, probably we'll be looking to replace our minivan. We have a Honda Odyssey and we've already started looking at vans. And the one that we're leaning towards the most is the Pacifica because we really like all the features that it has add into the equation that now they're coming with an oval drive version. Well, it, it's, it it's very hard not to say no to that.
1: Right. So, yeah. Let's just jump straight into the Sienna. So you put the Sienna yeah. on your list. That's not one I would have. Just saying. You so, ordered, no. Yep, I so. know. Uh,
2: we've talked about the looks, um, but I just think that something very appealing about the Sienna is also being offered in an all-wheel drive, which they've done in the past. Nothing new there. But just the excellent MPG that you can get with the new hybrids that all Siennas now come with. Yeah. And I put it as a very important car for 2021 because I fully agree with your previous statement that I also – believe that in 2021 and 2022, gas prices will probably go up. So having a very fuel efficient vehicle can help you a lot.
1: Right. Yeah, I think, uh, yeah, that's true. That's a good point. And I think that that might help it in the sales department quite a bit too.
2: Yeah. Yeah. We have seen multiple reviews and we've seen that it's extremely simple to get over 35, 36 MPG combined on the new Sienna, which is outstanding fuel economy.
1: It's just the CVT, man. I, I can't get over it.
2: Yeah, but you know what? I have I've told this also to customers in our shop. We have we don't like CVTs. I mean, I personally don't like CVTs. At the shop, nobody likes CVTs. We all think that they're horrible and reliable. However, Toyota has somehow mastered it because they've been using CVTs since the Prius came out, um, and yeah. they have had. Uh, incredibly low issues with their CVT transmission. Everybody else has had tons of it. Toyota hasn't really, but so whatever they did, they mastered it. So,
1: hmm.
2: but I still don't like it, even though. So.
1: Well, let's let's jump over into the number one selling car vehicle in, mm, in North America, America. America. Yes the f-150 so i put specifically the f-150 hybrid i think i do think that this whole new generation of f-150 is important obviously as the as the most as the highest selling vehicle in in america it it, it's going to be important just because of that but here we have a pretty big departure going with the with the hybrid it it's not a plug-in hybrid like i would have liked to see but i think that just the direction just the idea of them selling this hybrid Again, gas prices are going up here. They are preemptively making the F 150 hybrid. And on top of that, they have tons of cool features with it. I mean the, the onboard generator, so you can run your job site from, from it. I think that it's going to be really interesting. And I, I, I am waiting to see some good testing data regarding towing to see MPG, uh, while towing and see how much it's affected, um, yeah, I think it's a really exciting exciting truck.
2: There's actually a video that TFL did recently with the, um, the F-150 hybrid towing. They did a towing loop and then they also did the same loop without towing. Yeah and I don't know if you've seen it. it it's um,
1: actually it's on my watch list that I was going to watch it later but
2: okay so I don't know if you want me to kind of get yeah, no, it. No
1: no tell me tell me spoil yeah. spoil give me the spoiler.
2: So here's the spoiler alert. Towing doesn't make a whole lot of difference if you have a hybrid or not. It gets the same pretty bad gas mileage than any other car or any other truck gets. Um, so no surprise there. However, when you're not towing, it actually gets surprisingly good high, uh, fuel economy. If I can't remember the the numbers exactly, but I do recall that it was uh, on the upper 20s, low 30s uh, without towing, which for an F-150 is really good. So, um, TFL, they did a um, towing test with the F 150 Hybrid. They actually put it against the Jeep Gladiator with the Eco Diesel. And they did a 66 mile loop towing a 6,000 pound trailer. The F 150 Hybrid towing the trailer uh, returned 8.06 miles per gallon. They did a second loop without towing. So it was just no weight, no additional weight besides the passenger. Uh, and uh, same loop, 66 miles, and it returned 29.81 miles per gallon, which is pretty good, especially considering that Ford uh, states that it should be around the 24 mile per gallon range combined uh, for both, well, actually city and highway, so it should be combined 24. They got 29, um, so almost 30, so pretty good.
1: Yeah, that's pretty good. So, yeah, I mean, that's, that's one that's on my list. I, I feel like it's a really significant vehicle. This isn't, this, maybe some of our listeners forgot that this is actually not the first hybrid pickup truck. Uh, uh, GM did a hybrid, let me remember what year it was. They did a hybrid 1500 Silverado in, I want to say 07 or 0- Yeah,
2: 07 when they released 009, the, the mild hybrid Tahoe 2.
1: Mm-hmm. yeah and those yeah. actually got decent fuel economy too but not not to the level that we're seeing now and and this is just part of Ford's product plan that I think is I don't think that this is going to go away right like this is this is no. the start of there always being a hybrid option for for the you know for these smaller trucks so
2: you know it, it's 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 one of those things that every major manufacturer they have a a car or, or a segment that they're really known for so we, before we were talking about uh, Volkswagen was extremely successful with the Beetle and then the Golf and now with the ID family. And if you ask anybody, especially here in the States, about Ford, they're going to tell you if the, it's the F-Series, especially the F-150. So the F-150 is for Ford what the Golf is for Volkswagen. This is really the most important vehicle that they make. And just like Volkswagen, they're investing a lot of money into the ID family. Ford is investing a lot of money into the hybrid, and then later on the EV F-150 that will come out. And you're right. This, I would, I would say that it's not only this F-150 hybrid that is extremely important. It's the whole F series coming from 2021 and beyond that's going to be really important for Ford.
1: Yeah. Let's talk a little bit about the, the Wagoneer that was on your list. Wagoneer. Yes. So What, what, what makes you think that the Wagoneer is so uh, exciting for this, for this year?
2: Um, because I think that Jeep Jeep needs it. Right now, the only thing that Jeep sells really good is the Wrangler. Everything else is not that great. Um, Lots of problems with the other Jeep products. um, They're basically fiats under the skin and they're not that great. We've talked about the podcast uh, before with reliability issues. We've had a couple in the shop. Mm that had CV axle leaks and differential leaks. And these were vehicles with 50, 60,000 miles. So you shouldn't be seeing these kind of issues with vehicles with this kind of mileage. And we're talking about fairly newer vehicles, 2015, 2015 and, and up. So I think the, the Grand Wagoneer is um, kind of their Hail Mary path. If you take away the, the Wrangler of trying to revive the brand and trying to make something good, my only problem with the Wagoneer is the pricing. Uh, we, I think it's too expensive, but I'm eager to see it uh, in the flesh when it comes out this next year. I'm really looking forward to it. It could be a game changer for, um, for Jeep and for the FTA group. And so that's why I think it's a very important vehicle of 2021, specifically because it could potentially help Jeep sales a lot, or it could be a total bust. And they'll just have to continue doing Wranglers.
1: Yeah, I, I feel like I guess I have a little bit of a different take on Jeep's lineup because I, I feel like uh, a lot of what they make is actually pretty good. I think that the the Cherokee is is pretty good, especially the you know the the off road ver- oriented versions. Um, I think that the Grand Cherokee is really good. I think that's a really attractive vehicle, but it is long in the tooth. It, it's it's time to update it. Um, I feel like the Grand Wagoneer is really their push up market. They're saying, you know, we want to have a vehicle that is expensive. That's luxurious because unlike, unlike a Tahoe or a suburban, this isn't a useful, this is not a tool. Uh, You know, you're not going to see the government sweeping up a bunch of Grand Wagoneers and armoring them up to move officials around. Right. Right. Like, Like they do with the suburban, but but this is kind of that this is kind of jeep saying we're gonna you know we want to get a foothold in that true luxury segment segment and i don't know if that's a good idea <laughs> but but they're doing it and and we'll see you know we'll see how it goes if if that's if it is successful i think you will see the rest of the jeep lineup get either more expensive or get more luxurious versions
2: well, and if they're going to get more luxurious versions, they're definitely going to get more expensive.
1: Yeah, well, and, and let's be honest, any any luxury added to a Wrangler would make it more luxurious. So
2: yes, yes. Well, yes, yeah, What else do you have on your list?
1: Well, let's let's talk about some of the ones that we have we have in common. So mm-hmm. let's let's say the Subaru BRZ first.
2: Yes. Why was it on your list?
1: So the, the BRZ is really, I I think important that they're making a second generation. I, I, for a long time thought that this would be a one hit wonder, they would make it wouldn't be as profitable as maybe they wanted it to be. And so they, they were going to scrap it in the future. The fact that they didn't, I think is just significant. And it really does save the Toyota and Subaru for the long term.
2: You know, I think that, um, The fact that they're doing a second gen, it speaks that the first gen was successful enough for them to consider doing a second gen. And I think that they've also listened to the people who actually bought the first gen saying, hey, it's a great car. We would just like a few tweaks here and there. And I think that for the vast majority of people that wanted certain tweaks on the car, maybe styling, interior quality, that happened on the second gen. This is the car that everybody wants that could they couldn't get on the first gen with the exception of maybe having a little bit more power because we do know that the power will increase with this second gen but still it's it's pretty minimal when it comes to power and it's but the thing is it's not a car that it was ever designed with having a lot of power in mind it was designed to be a fun little car that you can really enjoy driving it's really is a driver's car
1: and is we're getting that, a lot of
2: those boxes ticked on the second gen
1: right Exactly, and and I think that this is a really good. I really like the philosophy of the car, and and I wish that more manufacturers were thinking about how can we make a car that's really good, interacts well with the driver, that has a lot of character, and isn't necessarily that that expensive. Because manufacturers complain and say we don't want to make sports cars because you know we can't make money with sports cars, and. Uh, you know, and and it's better just that we put our resources elsewhere, et cetera, et cetera. The truth is that people want to buy inexpensive sports cars, right? The market is saturated at a hundred thousand dollars and it's underrepresented at 30 to 50. So, you know, those, when we're talking about sports cars and, um, you know, here, here we are with the BRZ doing filling exactly that it's, they don't care about the numbers. They just want a great car. That's fun to drive and is attainable so you know what what more can you ask for well there's a lot more you can ask you can ask for but that's that's really everything that you need exactly so it's
2: everything you need but not everything you want right and and that's what makes it special
1: and and i think the nissan z is on my list for the exact same reason it's just that the z is one step up so what what z is on your list too what makes what put the z on your list
2: I made it put in my list because by far this is going to be the most important car that Nissan will release next year. They're releasing a new Armada, they're releasing a new Frontier, a new Pathfinder. That's all great. There's a uh, there's a mid-cycle I think uh, facelift with the Rogue, but none of those cars are far more important than the Nissan Z. It's no secret that they've been struggling over the last few years uh, to trying to stay afloat as a company. And this is a car that goes back to the roots of Nissan. What everybody loved about Nissan is what we are hoping and expecting to get in this new Z. And so that's why I think this is an extremely important car for 2021, because it can really make or break Nissan.
1: Well, and it also kind of reminds us that Nissan is uh, still alive. Yeah. (laughs) I mean... I guess they put the new engine in the frontier, but like everything that they sell is really old and it's going to be really refreshing to see them get back in the game.
2: And I've always been a, 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 a Nissan fan. Um, my dad actually owned one. He owns an Armada and it's been a great vehicle for him. Uh, and I'm really excited to see the seat. Okay. So those two out of the list, um, we have the Ford Bronco, the Alfa Romeo, and I have the Mark Eight GTI slash R. What's the other one that you had?
1: Well, we kind of th- we kind of touched on the GTI. Did, was there anything else that you wanted to add add to it? Let's okay. leave let's, the Alpha for last. Yeah, let's leave the Alpha for last. Uh, okay, so one that I have on my list is the 911 GT3 manual, and that's I don't really have anything to say about that except I'm just glad that they're putting a manual in in a in a fast car. I mean a manual with in a car that has five hundred horsepower, that's I, I I mean that's that's what I want also. Right. I mean that's, I
2: think that to, to summarize this nine eleven. All you need to say is twenty twenty one Porsche nine eleven GT three manual. That's it. That's all you really need to know.
1: Yeah. And if, that's, yeah.
2: <laughs> yep. what, what more can you say about it? Everybody knows how good the 911 is. Everybody knows how fantastic the GT3 is. And if there's one thing, and mind you, that if you're going to have a sequential gearbox, well, it's hard to find anything better than a PDK. So Porsche really does very nice dual-clutch transmission uh, with the PDK, but you're getting a manual, and that's it. It's fantastic
1: yeah fr- frankly if it was me 10 out 10 times out of 10 i would take the manual and yep. not everyone agrees with me on that obviously there's lots of people buying pdks but that's I- i'm just really glad that they're doing it again i think that everybody thought that maybe the manual was dead in, in the 911, as it has continued its slow march toward extinction um yeah I- i'm just i'm just glad that it's around so i guess speaking i just
2: think well, I think what happened, and this is just kind of like personal opinion, but I really want to believe that the following story happened is Porsche got together over at Stuttgart and they said, you know what? 2020 has been a pretty crappy year for everybody. Well, We're not really planning on doing anything new with the 911 for next year, but what can we do? What can we let our people know that 2021 can be a better year and let's announce it in 2020? And the committee got together and let's say, how about we put a manual transmission of the GT3? It's like, yeah, it's a fantastic idea. Let's do it. And that's their Christmas gift. Yes, everybody rejoiced, and that's a Christmas gift to us, letting us know that even though 2020 hasn't been that great, they decided to give us a manual GT3, and all of a sudden, 2020 doesn't look that bad.
1: Well, the and the next one is, of course, the T50, the Gordon Murray Automotive T50. Now, I did I did think, well, maybe I shouldn't put this on here because they're they're making the production is so small. I mean, we're unlikely to ever even see one. So, you know, there, there is that. But again, my whole thing is what is the base formula of the car? And here the T50 is saying this is what the best formula is. And I agree with them. We have mid engine, rear wheel drive, manual transmission, naturally aspirated V12, lightweight. Good, good classic looks, very lightweight, bada bing bada boom that's what i want that is the and, perfect
2: and let's not forget perfect seating position
1: on top of that that's that's like that's an extra okay and on top of that you have the the three you know the center seating position it's and it's made by gordon murray you know it's going to be wonderful and it's just a blessing to this earth that it exists even if i can't yes. have one
2: yes especially in this day and age because um, I'm sure our listeners may, well, I'm not sure, but I'm thinking that sometimes our listeners may get tired of us bringing up EV news, even though we're not that big of EV fans ourselves, but it's just what's been going on in the automotive world. So it's very, very refreshing seeing something going back to the basics as Gordon Murray is doing with the T-50.
1: Well, and this Um, pure, right? I mean, I guess it, it technically has assisted steering, but that's another thing. Is is the steering is practically unassisted? You know, yeah. the it's gonna have wonderful steering feel. It's gonna everything about it is just focused on the driver to have a wonderful experience. It's it's just a huge grown up version of a Miata or the BRZ, except taken to the extreme, right? Whereas those, you know, budget constraints prohibit them from being fast and having all of the things that you want. Here is the T-50 with everything on the checklist checked. So.
2: I think just to to give you an analogy of what the T-50 is, imagine your most favorite dish, and then you grab all the best organic ingredients that this earth can give you, and that's the T-50 yeah it, it's yeah. everything you really love and want in a car but taken to the best possible inception of of that so you're gonna yeah, get yeah, the made, best made with the absolute you
1: made with the absolute best ingredients put on the best right. silverware and made and prepared by the best chef and that's what right. the g50 is yep that's a yep. that's a really good analogy
2: yeah and and for that We are very grateful. Even like you said, we'll probably never see one in life. But just the fact that it exists there, it's a great thing. And we're definitely looking forward to be able to see some reviews when it comes out uh, later next year.
1: Yeah. And then the, the next one, second to last one, is the Ford Bronco. I think that the Ford Bronco is actually the most significant vehicle coming out in 2021. And as you can hear, if you've listened to the whole podcast so far, that's some. That's facing some pretty big competition. Okay. Again, I think that mm-hmm. the I think the 4 is maybe the second most significant car. The F one hundred and fifty definitely a, a rival for those two, but in my mind, the Ford Bronco is the most significant car because it really reaches down into the soul of what enthusiast enthusiasts want, and it brings it forward in an accessible way that's available to lots of people, and. know does that make sense do you understand what i'm what i'm trying to say like 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 not very many people want sports cars or or buy sports cars i think everybody wants a sports car but not very many people actually buy them right and but that's not the case with like uh with the ford bronco it's a different type of enthusiast car right it's not something you're gonna take to a racetrack but it is something that you can get out and you can explore and and really touches on this essence of why we like cars to begin with we can we can use it. We can go places with it. We can have those experiences that we can't, that we couldn't have otherwise. And the Bronco is just, it's designed entirely to be for its purpose. And that's why people like the Wrangler, okay? Even yeah, though the Wrangler is absolute crap to drive, it's, it's wonderful. Um, it just has so much symbolism for adventure and, and adventure in the true sense of the word. So- yeah. And, and the Bronco and on top of
2: that, that. You, you add the amazing aftermarket support that you have for the Wrangler, which of course, it opens up endless possibilities on how to make your Wrangler yours, truly yours, yep. which makes that connection even more special. But, you know, the, I think that the, the main reason why uh, crossovers and now, of course, off-roaders are becoming extremely popular over the last few years, including the Wrangler and everything else, is that they're becoming the the best all-around car yeah no matter the situation no matter the weather it's a car that you can use it's not going to be fantastic at anything well except the Wrangler that's fantastic off-road but it's not going to be the best at one thing it just does everything fairly good and um you know a lot of people that that's something that you don't get with a sports car you know, that sport card you know if it's two feet of snow outside you're not taking the sports car anywhere or if you have a convertible it's the same story. Well, the SUV is a different story. And I think I I, I agree with you that the Bronco, I don't know if I agree hundred percent that it could be the most important car of the year. I do think that I would put the ID3 uh, or ID4 above the Bronco. For the States, I think, yes. I think that the Bronco is gonna be by far the most important car of 2021 worldwide. I would have to say that it's gonna be the VW.
1: Yeah, I th- I think that's fair. And you know, I think that part of this is there's a definite trend towards off-road yes vehicles. And you know, I mean, you know, from people lifting up their 911s to people buying old classic trucks and going off-roading with them to all of this aftermarket support that you see with Jeep, you know, pe- it's it's a growing um it's a growing passion and people are getting more and more into it. And Ford is smart to get in on that, but, you know, especially considering they have legitimate heritage here, right? Right. Um, and then I guess the last thing I want to say about the Ford Bronco is is uh, so so Jeep sells about two hundred thousand Wranglers a year, right? And Ford has, as of right now, they have two hundred thousand pre-orders for the Bronco. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. They can't make two hundred thousand of these things in a year. They didn't even Ford was surprised at how much enthusiasm the marketplace has met the the new Bronco with. So I think it's really, I do think that it's really significant.
2: Yeah. And something also that's coming to your point of being as significant, we have seen how Jeep has been able to keep the momentum in the grant in the Wrangler and keep it as an extremely important vehicle, actually the most important vehicle in their lineup without really messing up the new version compared to the old one. Yeah. Ford has done the same thing. They have really paid good homage at the previous gen Bronco without messing with what the previous gen Bronco was all about. Right. We can see that with the new Defender on the other side of the spectrum.
1: Right. That's what. Yeah. That's exactly what I was going to say. Is how many how many times do we see companies screw up their heritage? In fact, even Ford is is kind of you know the the whole Mustang the uh, Mach E you know electric. Um, crossover is 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 kind of you know it makes you question right like right you know there's good arguments either way that it's brilliant and there's arguments that it's that it's terrible and i'm not gonna make a decision today on that but even ford struggles bringing their heritage to the future from time to time uh, certainly the defender you've heard my opinion on the new defender bronco the ford bronco they nailed it right this yep. is yep. It's, it is perfect
2: Yep, and I think the only way that they can make the Bronco better is if a V eight is available. Um, mm-hmm. I think that would be pretty sweet. Uh, not available right now, and there are no talks of that happening. But who knows? It may
1: happen. Yeah. So, well, and then then the last one is of course the Alfa mm-hmm. Romeo. This is actually on my list. For when when I put it on my list, I had a different thought than I think maybe other people had. So um Mazda a couple years ago made this uh Vision RX concept and they were talking about okay, we're going to bring back the RX7 and maybe it'll be a an electric car with a a rotary range extender maybe we'll you know have it be a hybrid or you know they they, they talked about a couple of different things but the RX Vision concept was just beautiful and I'm I'm a Mazda fan I've Bought, I've had several Mazdas and I, I really liked it. So I was, I actually was thinking, man, if they ma- if they actually make this thing, I would really like to buy one and have one. And it, the Alfa Romeo GTV kind of hits all of the same chords on my heart. Um, it's it's low, it's beautiful, it's a you know kind of this extra sporty, but can be a grand tour, and and the looks are top notch, just beautiful. And it has a lot of history and just passion behind it. And man, it's, it really, really gets you excited.
2: Um, I am actually looking at a picture of it right now and it, it's just a car that you just lost for words in how dropped that gorgeous it really is. And the, the great thing about this new GTV, if it, if it comes out is that it's a car that in 20, 30 years' time, it's still going to look as good as it does today. Yeah. Uh, it's just a, an incredible, timeless design. It's, it's like a Rolex. It's just never going to go out of style. Um, and then, of course, the rumor is that if they do go into production, they will have the Quadrifoglio uh, version, which now we can say that if, if it comes out, we could be saying the GTV6 is back, yeah. uh, which, which is a wonderful thing to say. Those words are just magic, GTV6, they're magic. And to have that in this world is just something extremely special. And I'm hoping that Alfa Romeo uh, does not go the same route as the main manufacturers, meaning that they're just gonna go either full hybrid or they're gonna go uh, EV 100%. If they decide to do that, please, please, please do this before you do that. Release this to the world. Uh, let this be your parting gift to to humanity, because it's gonna be if it if it actually gets released, it's gonna be an incredible special car.
1: Yeah, I my only wish is, and I don't think that this will happen, but I do wish that they would make a manual transmission version. So with with the Julia in Europe, which again makes no sense, but in Europe you can make you can buy the Quadrifoglio with the manual transmission, but somehow in the United States, where we buy more manual transmission cars. They don't have it available and if they made the gtv available non-hybridized with a manual transmission oof, i mean with those looks everything it, it would be perfect yeah that being said i would be okay with the plug-in hybrid so um yeah,
2: yeah i guess i would rather just have a naturally well just no hybrid i mean they're, they're not even gonna if they do it the base model is gonna have a two liter turbo so it's not going to even be naturally aspirated Um, But the uh, Quadrifogio, it is going to be a, well, rumored, a 505 horsepower twin turbo 2.9 V6. Uh, Very, very special. Yes. Alpha, we know you're not listening to us. But if for some real bizarre reason you are, build it. It's going to be a success.
1: Yeah, it will be. It it really will be. I I mean, the thing is that especially with these Italian cars, people tend to, they buy them for the first couple of years and they buy a lot of them and then you know, and they kind of become less popular, less the end thing. And, you know, people move on to something else and the enthusiasts stay and love them. The, the thing is with, with the enthusiast market, you have to stay engaged. If you do what Nissan's done and, you know, a couple other manufacturers of Toyota, especially where they, you know, they make a great car for a couple of years then they stop selling it for a couple of years and then maybe they bring it back and maybe they don't. You can't do that. You stay engaged and, and people w- will reward you for it. So I, yeah, anyways, it's, it's a beautiful car. Something that really gets me excited and that's why it's on my list. And I, I think that I can speak for you and saying that's also why it's on yours.
2: Yeah, it is. Uh, I'm looking at it. I think that maybe I'm a little bit um, strict when it comes to this, but I think that there should only be one color allowed which is red. That's it. You don't, you don't have any other color option in, in this new GTV. And only Maybe one green. color wheels. No, not green, just red. <laughs> and gold wheels. That's it. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> it's like, you know, you go into the showroom, what would you like? A GTV, great, sir. It's right there, pick whichever one you want. They're all the same color, they all got the same wheels. Whichever one you like, take that one. There's no other option. And the world will just be happy for it. Um,
1: yeah, I, I like it. I like it. All right. But, well, that's, uh, yeah, that's that's,
2: that's our, that's our, that's a wrap up, right? For our, our most important cards that we think uh, will, uh, will come out in 2021 and um, head over to our Facebook page and let us know there. What cards do you think are going to be the most important for
1: 2021? Yeah. But yeah. And, and uh, seriously to all of our listeners, thank you for listening. We really appreciate it. And uh, we're, we're excited to get this year behind us. we're excited for everything that's coming up in 2021 and um yeah, that's going to do it for us for today.
0: that's it for this week's limited slip podcast. Remember to subscribe so you don't miss our insights into next week's automotive news. If you want to help us keep the content coming, leave a five-star review and visit our businesses at DaveTheCarImporter.com, where Dave helps clients import their dream cars from South America and Europe for a flat fee, or Borja's business on Facebook at Auto Pros Utah, a full service auto repair shop. It's been Dave and Borja on this week's Limited Slip Podcast.